Welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Tion Miller. I will be your host today. Uh, we will we be cool. Man, I hate it when, when I start out mumbling my words. I swear I haven't been drinking, guys. Uh, I'm excited because I have another host coming on. Sierra is going to be doing, uh, is going to be coming on and uh, doing some podcasting with us. I'm very excited to have her as a host. I think she's going to, I think she's going to teach us a lot of stuff. Um, I'm Dion. I'm your host today. It's Tuesday, and uh, it's time for a podcast. Today's um, today's guest uh, it was actually brought on by Gary, our vice president of our board. Um, and I've been working with Gary uh, last three, four months. He's in OA, uh, Overeaters Anonymous. Um, one of the reasons that he's on the board, because I like people in recovery on the board from different types of recovery, because you get different stuff. <laughs> so... Um, so Gary brought on our next guest, which is Rob, and is also his sponsor. What I like about Rob, because we've got to talk a little bit before, is he's an OA and he's an NA. So, or AA, I'm sorry. OA and AA. No NA. <laughs> no more A's, man. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We'll get, give us time, man. We're, you know, we do so much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dion. Good to be here. Um, my name is Rob, uh, Rob C. Rob C. And um, I'm a compulsive overeater and an alcoholic. Um, I have a time and program in Overeaters Anonymous that okay. goes back to May of 1990. Wow. So I okay. just crossed the 30 year mark. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Yeah. In AA, it's a little bit different story. Um, okay. My sobriety date is January 4th of 2019. Okay. So it's only been, you know, two and a half years for me, but I didn't go professional That's... grade until the last two years Okay. of my okay. drinking career. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, I'm kind of, um, I'm curious to see how that all came about. Um, and since this is your show to not, it is now raw recovery with Rob C. I'm going to go ahead and turn it on over to you and, and Kyle and go ahead and listen to your story. So the floor is yours, Rob C. Okay. Thanks, Dion. Um, I guess where I'll start is, uh, from a dual, dual fellowship perspective, I, I kind of have one program and it's split into two fellowships. Um, I was an adopted child and I had a very protective mom. Um, okay. For me, for her, I was a gift. She couldn't have her own children. So okay. her answers to a lot of things was you're upset, have a cookie, you're upset, have a banana. Okay. And so I was probably a compulsive overeater um, from six months old. Okay. And it was a learned behavior. Food can okay. make things better. Food can make things go away. Food right. is your friend until it isn't okay so that that's where the genesis of the um compulsive overeating comes from i think right. now alcohol first drink uh eight years old 
big okay. family gathering. Um, my mother was oldest of seven kids. Okay. There were cousins everywhere, aunts, uncles, oh, um, yeah. Italian, Irish family. So there ah. was food and alcohol. Oh, yeah. Perfect combination. Eight years old, a cousin of mine and I, about the same age, decided we wanted to drink like our uncles did. Okay. So we went to a table in a backyard family party. We poured ourselves each four ounces of straight vodka. Ooh, okay. Yep. Toasted each other. An aunt tried to stop us. Yeah. We toasted the ant and downed them. Ooh. This is back in the day when all the aunts and uncles were a second set of parents. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. Flat. Growing up, you didn't mess with. Yeah. If you're. Oh, aunt told it didn't you matter. Do something it, it, you it didn't. didn't. Yep. Yeah, it, it didn't matter. So she slapped us. I remember what that was like. I remember what it tasted like. I remember the burning sensation. I remember the feeling that this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I loved it and wanted to do it again. Wow. I didn't get sick. So an eight-year-old kid, four ounces of straight vodka, and I did that, not. That sick. is amazing. I was wondering what happened to you because that's they, no. if people don't know their uh, well, ounces up. That's four beers. Yeah. Right. All at once. Yeah. These were like, we drank it like a shot. Yeah. Straight. So you just drank four beers in a matter of seconds. So yeah, yeah I, mean, I was worried know? about you oh, for a second. Okay. No, I survived. <laughs> I think. So, I mean, you know, I survived that. My drinking career ended up lasting about 50 years. Okay. So it was a short career. <laughs> the last two years of which I crossed a line and became what I now call professional grade. Okay. 24 7 365 it's yeah all I yeah i was no longer sleeping i was passing out and coming mm -hmm. to i just wanted to make the voices in my head go away yep. you hear about that committee in your head that's exactly mm -hmm. what i had um, certainly what i should have done could have done would have done why did i say this mm -hmm. from decades ago i'm a yeah. ruminator i'm a ruminator so going back to the food um I grew up with those adopted parents. Okay. Um, my dad was an engineer. He was very successful. He also developed Huntington's disease. Wow. Okay. When he did that, uh, it's a neurological disorder. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I don't know. Yes, sir. And um, our relationship, let's say, became less than stellar. There was abuse. Okay. There was anger. Um, yeah. And it was bad. I mean, really bad. It was I'm injuries. Sorry. It was yeah. different things. You know what? It's made me who I am today. Huh. I don't consider myself a victim of child abuse. I, I consider myself a survivor now. Certainly. And I'll get to that when I talk about the steps. So I drank eight ounces before high school of straight vodka one time on a dare. Mm -hmm. Went to school that way. And it was all fine until I had to hold my head up at the desk and yeah. um, teacher could tell I was ripped. Yeah. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was leaning on the desk, holding my head up. So I didn't fall out of the desk. Yeah. But the way I was holding my head, and I know this is an audio, I had both hands in circles around my eyes as if you had a pair of binoculars on. Okay. And I saw him coming around the aisle toward me and I'm like, oh no, I think he knows. And he did the binocular sign. Uh -huh. and pointed to the door for the office yeah so yeah. um needless to say there were events like that um, okay and that was not a good thing at home because dad didn't deal with those things well okay so i knew there was a penalty however it got to the point 
even negative attention was attention. Yeah. So at least you were getting some. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had a first marriage. Um, We're advancing a little bit here. Okay. Um, It didn't go very well. I mean, (laughs) compulsive eater, Mm -hmm. alcoholic, you know. Yeah. Didn't work on myself. Um, We had a child that marriage ended. Okay. After about seven years. Okay. It was in an apartment for the first time because I'd always lived with someone and I owned a home and now I don't have a home. I'm in an apartment. Okay. Estranged wife and child are in that home and I'm in apartment alone. Okay. And I decided I was going to eat. Ah, you know, I was just going to eat. Okay. And, um, I had an argument with a block of cheese. All right. Who does that? Right. Yeah. We're powerless and our lives are unmanageable. Right. Yeah. I had a good half hour argument with this cheese. Okay. And it told me all the lies food had told me over the years. Yeah. Different this time. You can start tomorrow. I'll make you feel better. They're all lies. Yeah. And I told the cheese, you're either going to dispose her. And it said, no, I'm going in your mouth. You're going to eat me. I know I'm not. Yes, you are. And I had the angel and the devil on the shoulder. Yeah. Spiritual warfare right there in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. The cheese went in the disposer. And I found my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Wow. I crawled in the door. I can't even tell you how I found that meeting. My higher power, who I call God, put me in the car Uh and drove me to that meeting. And it was about four blocks from home. Wow. I don't know. I don't know how I found it. I don't know how I got there. God. Yeah. I mean. I crawled in that door. I crawled in that door. When you were talking about that, yes, sir, I could feel it. I mean, I've gone through those same emotions, man, of just sitting there with a with a bottle of alcohol, just arguing mm. with it. Um, and I'm I'm so glad you won. It almost made me cry because I was like, "Tell me, tell me, tell me," you know. So, wow, what a great! Oh, and I didn't have a lot of story. money at the time. Uh, Dion, you know, I, I was supporting two households. I couldn't yeah. even afford that block that went in that disposer. Okay. I crawled into that meeting and a lady came up to me and said, welcome. I had newcomer on my face. I mean, I'm yeah, crawling in the carpet in the door, right? Yeah. I mean, my self-esteem was so bad at that time. And I, I was an engineer myself. Okay. I mean, I was fairly successful in business, had a great career, All but right. I was broken. Yeah. She said, here's a piece of literature could you read for us tonight? I said, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't read. I'm new. I was so <laughs> broken and so torn down and shot mm-hmm. up that I, I felt I wasn't even capable of reading the, the printed word on a white piece. Yeah. You that you weren't worth it. Yeah. No, no. I, and I, that I, I would I, make a mistake. Yeah. Cause I, okay. I don't know about other folks that may be listening to this, but I'm never enough. Got it. Okay. I'm never enough. No matter how many people tell me I am, mm-hmm. no matter how much success I have, I'm never enough. I don't measure up. I don't fit in. Okay. Well, what I didn't say <laughs> is before this um, block of cheese argument, I had been accepted into a program called OptiFast. Okay. I was mm, 290 pounds. It was a medically supervised fast. And um, 
I lost over 100 pounds in six months. I was a okay. star. It's like 500 calories a day, something like that. Okay. And um, I complied with everything they told me to do. Okay. And um, I got these accolades. Man, you look uh, great. Wow. I can't believe this. Oh, you're great. And I, I finished that program and uh, I went from 290 to about 175. Okay. In my mind, I was cured. Yeah. 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 And um, you guys probably can't, uh, you can't see this, but behind me is the Louvre. Um, I was a statue. I was chiseled. I was done. I was mm -hmm. cast in bronze, put me in the Louvre with the other statues because I'm never going to go back Wow! until I did. Yeah. And I could feel it and it was slipping away and there wasn't a darn thing I could do about it. So what did I do? Being a self-centered, manipulative, compulsive overeater, mm -hmm. alcoholic, I talked them into letting me go back through the program again. They told me they don't do that. You're a one and done. We don't. Oh, but it'll be different this time. I've learned. Uh -huh. I now understand the concept of relapse and, oh, I'll be. I couldn't do it the second time. Yeah. I did it for a few weeks. I couldn't keep it. I couldn't hold on to it. Yeah. How much my claws sank into that. I was, I was demoralized. Yeah. And you remember, then, you remember yeah, that poster back in the 90s that had that cat, remember? And there was scratch marks all the way down the poster. And yeah. it's everything I ever let go of has scratch marks all over it. Yeah, that's what that reminded me of right there. Yeah. So I knew that I was capable of a relapse. Mm -hmm. so I go into Overeaters Anonymous, right? Um, okay. I had some success. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of recovery there. It was the 90s. I was in Orange County. It was thriving. Um, I moved to the beach. I moved to the Balboa Peninsula. I was rollerblading every day. Wow. But I was, I was a fraud. Okay. I was going into meetings and saying I was abstinent. Okay. I wasn't working the steps. I didn't mm. get a sponsor. Mm -hmm. I was rollerblading 15 miles a day and eating 5,000 calories a day still. And that was my abstinence and my plan of eating in that program. I okay. was telling people that. Okay. And I'm presuming that's not the right way. Me not being in OA, I, you know, that's not that I don't follow way. and I don't follow calories and stuff. So I'm naive. No on this. Okay. So it is not, not oh, the right that, way. That's Got way it. more than adult male. And okay. then I couldn't rollerblade. And then what do you do? Ah. I was an exercise bulimic. Okay. All right. right. I've gained and lost over a hundred pounds several times. Okay. Several times. And is that in, and, and is that kind of the san insanity of the disease? It's that weight going up and powerful. down? It, yeah. It, it, okay. It, mm -mm. No. And I'm convinced if I'm not working a program, I'm doomed. Yeah. So what happened? Um, we moved away from Orange County. We moved to Northern California. We decided, my wife and I, we actually met in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous back cool. then. Cool. It was the last thing on my agenda, and God gave me a life partner. The first marriage ended. I got a partner in recovery. We've been together. Um, we've been married for 28 years. Wow. Her sponsor so told her cool. not to do it, that it wouldn't last. <laughs> I don't know where what? that sponsor is today, but I know where that wife is today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
So, I mean, listen to your sponsor. If you're in a program that has a sponsor, I don't (laughs) recommend saying, screw you, I'm going to do it my way because that's my will, right? Yeah, yeah. But what happened? um, We moved away and I decided meetings were too hard. Okay. My wife decided meetings were too hard. We lived in Santa Cruz County. There weren't any meetings back then. Okay. So we went and lived life. The weight came back, don't Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, who would guess that, right? The drinking slowly increased. Mm -hmm. There were some business successes. I founded a company. We ended up having 350 employees Mm -hmm. until it went away. What do I turn to? I turned the alcohol and the food, Mm -hmm. right? Well, this went on. I got up to about 300 pounds again, demoralized, Mm -hmm. beaten, um, ready to give up. So um, it came time for retirement. In retirement, I decided I had no value and no purpose. Wow. I had really defined myself by what I did for a living. Yeah. And that was over. And um, I sat in a chair. And it's like a story in the big book where the guy got out his pipe and his slipper. I don't know about pipe, but he he got out his retirement kit. Yep. He's dead in four years. Yep. Well, I was a couple years into that. What happened? I haven't heard anybody in that fellowship, and I'm talking about Overeaters Anonymous, share this. But for me, I got a case of what's called the efforts. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided that if I'm going to be heavy and I'm going to have this disease, I'm retired, let's let it rip. Yeah. I love experiences. I'm going to eat what I want, when I want, how I want, how much I want. Mm-hmm. let's see how far this can go i was an engineer like i said and i love data i mm. actually created a spreadsheet to track my weight gain who does that i'm goal oriented yeah i challenged myself to gain 30 pounds in 30 days and, and you I made accomplished it that yeah yeah and you made wow okay i went from 300 to 330 pounds i had a 60 inch waist I was dying. I had severe sleep apnea that required a CPAP machine to breathe Mm -hmm. at night because I was stopping breathing 50 times an hour. Wow. I wasn't sleeping, right? Yeah. I had three different blood pressure medications. I had a hip replaced because I had destroyed my joints along the way. Yeah. With the weight, right? Mm -hmm. The Louvre that I spoke of earlier that I was going to be a statue in, I did the Louvre in a wheelchair. Did that stop me from overeating? No, Mm -hmm. but I knew a day at the Louvre was going to be pain because of what I did to my body. So I did the Louvre in a wheelchair, that incomprehensible demoralization, the book. Mm -hmm. I didn't care in this phase. I wanted people to look at me. I always hit the floor. Yeah. And I wanted them to say, what the hell happened to him? Look at yeah. that. I know that feeling. Yeah. As I do look at me and I, I kind of wanted them to start a fight with me. Yeah. Was... I don't know about that. I, I wanted to be repulsed. Okay. For me. I wanted them to be. Because isolation. Is okay. Where my character defects come out. Okay. That's where All the right. takes place. That's where the drinking itself. So that had to do with your isolation. If people are more disgusted with you, you have more reason to isolate. They'll leave me alone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? I 
I have no doubt in my mind that God started working on me. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a buddy that I went to high school with. He ended up playing football for Alabama in college. And he was six, five. He got up to 450 pounds. He went and had a surgery called the Ruin Y gastric bypass. Okay. He lost 200 pounds like right away. Okay. And I went, wow, if my buddy Kevin can do that, I can do that. Okay. I started to pray about it. And God said, you know what? Yeah. Okay. I turned over the food (laughs) to my higher power. Yeah. And um, I applied for the program to have the surgery. Okay. He took away the craving and the obsession, but it was only when I became willing and I surrendered. I said, God, I can't do this. I need you. Mm -hmm. You are my only hope. I knew this from program. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. I got into nutritional counseling. I did the psyche valve. I had surgery. It's been six years and God took 155 pounds off of this body. But my experience with relapse taught me that I wasn't cured this time. Okay. I needed program. Yeah. I needed to get back in the rooms this Mm -hmm. time. I worked the steps. I have a sponsor. I've surrendered. I allowed myself to become teachable. Yeah. I had to forget everything I thought I knew and start over. Yeah. All right. That's the food. The alcohol came back. Okay. Once you have a gastric bypass surgery, you pour alcohol directly into the intestines. I was not prepared for this. They mentioned it very in an ancillary fashion, but my head didn't hear it. Oh, I'm not really an alcoholic. I drink now and then, but that won't be a problem for me until it was. Yeah. So if it goes straight in, does that mean it's just avoiding the stomach at all? There is no stomach. Yeah. Because it's right into the intestines. Okay. it's, It's like, Maybe I, I don't know. I've never been one so it, to it, say anything about them, but maybe it's like an intravenous drug user. Yeah, maybe I get an instant up. Yeah, that's what I was trying to that's what I was trying to figure out. Okay. One, one drink is like three. Okay. And it's amazing. It is the greatest thing in the world <laughs> at first. Yeah. But what happens is there's also a very, very short time to live. Yeah. And it's 15 minutes, maybe 20, and you want it again. Mm-hmm. And again, and again, and I became a 24 7, 365 drinker. That's yeah. when I crossed the line into professional grade, what I call now alcoholism. Yeah. And I did that for two years. Wow. I, I was drunk all the time. Yeah. 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I was at the supermarket at 6 a.m. waiting for the doors to open, but I was sly. I went to several different markets so they wouldn't <laughs> know I was an alcoholic. <laughs> However, at 6.05, this man is putting an amount of alcohol down a conveyor belt that nobody would really drink in the morning. This is 6.05 a.m. This is what went down the conveyor belt. Alcohol, soda, beer, and ice. But I'm fooling them. They don't know I'm an alcoholic. I I would end up being like, oh, it's for tonight. Yeah, we got a pretty big oh, yeah, barbecue tonight. Were you here you know? yesterday? <laughs> we probably okay, I've, I've been married 28 <laughs> years. I started having checkers ask me, you know, tell me, hey, I get off at five. I'll help you drink that. Yeah. Huh? So not only 
was I working on alcoholism? I was working on destroying my marriage, destroying my life. Mm-hmm. I turned away from God. He never left me. Yeah. And, um, and I was wondering, did your alcoholism disrupt your sobriety with your food? I didn't know how else to put it. So. Surprisingly, no. I, I think okay. they call it abstinence, you know? Abstinence, you, you okay. Call it, yeah, you can call it sobriety. Um, I've heard it referred to as abstinence. Okay. Um, I might have been eating a little more. My abstinence, everybody defines their own. Mine is more okay. being mindful and present. Okay. While I'm eating. They taught me that during the counseling for the surgery. Okay. Um, you know, don't put anything in your mouth unless you're there, you're present. Because hmm. I used to stop at plate, cup, bowl, bag, look down, yeah. where'd all that go? And I'm the only one in the room. Yeah. It was mindless. Yeah. Mindless. And then yeah. I'd go get more. I get now. I Now I understand that. I can compare that to alcohol real easy. It, it, yep. it would call you. Yeah. You had no defense. Uh, I honey, did no you call defense. my name? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm in the freezer, Rob. It'll be different this time. Come and eat me. Yeah. It yeah. won't be like last time. Oh no, you're lying to me. I know I'll have remorse. Yeah. I know I'll have guilt. Oh no, we'll make it all better. They were mean to you. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Alcohol yeah. did not give two shits about me. Nope. My disease wants me dead. Yeah. And if it can't have me dead, it'll take me fat, drunk, and stupid, like the line out of Animal House. Where there the, you go. Yeah. Where the um the dean tells the boy, Yeah, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. But that's what I did. Yeah. That's what I did. And I believe he was talking to Jim Belushi and look what happened to Jim Belushi. Um, I, I yeah. Um, gosh, I mean that that was my story. Um wow. What happened? I fell. You know, I was okay. up all night watching um, some television. And um, I went to get up in the morning. I'd been up all night drinking and I okay. fell. I lost consciousness and I, I broke my eye socket. I broke my nose. I cracked open my head. I was passed out for about 15 minutes and came wow. to in a pool of blood. Yeah. I knocked on the wall because I knew my son, he's an adult, and he drank just like dad. I won't go into that today, but I taught him how. Mm-hmm. And um, and Rob, I'd be happy to have you back on if we want to come back on. Yeah, sure. Because I, I think he, you and I have a lot of familiar, uh, familiar stories that I think you and I could probably help a lot of people out with. He okay. called the fire department. Good. Okay. He saw his dad covered with blood. And yeah. what was I doing? I was laughing. It was the funniest thing ever. Oh, I'm still alive. My mouth yeah. was full of blood. I didn't know where it came from. It ended up not being an internal injury, but I didn't yeah. know. I remembered the impact. I remember falling forward and I reached out. Okay. And I remember the impact to my face. It turned out to be breaking an oak rocking chair with my face. <sighs> And then hitting straight onto a tile floor. Uh, don't let anybody tell you you're not hard-headed. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, I was part of the police department at the time. Oh, you didn't tell us about that part. So here's the fire department <laughs> in my house. That's why it was. That's why you didn't like that idea, huh? The fire department was in my house. Okay. 
I had a bunch of tests because being a good alcoholic, I lied and told them I have no idea why I fell. Yep. You know, I lied to the doctors. I don't know. Yeah. So they ordered all these tests. And they found what they thought was a brain tumor. Um, they found um, just by chance what they thought was thyroid cancer. Mm -hmm. They thought I had it all over the place. I would have never known that. No. Had I not been a drunk idiot falling down in the um, foyer of my home and lying. So we think that these things are bad. Sometimes they're good. Uh -huh. Sometimes they're good. And I don't get to see my higher power of God's plan. I don't get to see the whole thing. I get to see pieces. Yeah. So I had to wait a year, but there's no vascular activity to what they thought was a brain tumor. So they're thinking it was a developmental clump of cells. Okay. Oh. So I've been clear to that one. I just right got the biopsy results recently. We've been watching these nodes around the thyroid. They're still benign. Good. I've turned them over to God. Uh -huh. Did I stop drinking? No. No. You'd think that would be enough. It wasn't. Mm, yeah. The wheelchair in the Louvre wasn't enough. The falling in the front foyer here wasn't enough. Yep. I had to keep going. And what I did was I knew now that it was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I started setting sobriety dates. My birthday, November 12th, my wife's birthday, November 23rd, Thanksgiving day. Okay. Oh, I'll stop Christmas. I'll stop yeah. New Year's. I blew right through all of those. I actually talked to my wife, who is not an alcoholic. She's a normie. Okay. Buy me this bottle of X and it'll be my last drink. Buy it yeah. for my birthday. Yeah. That'll be it. I promise you. No. That's a lie. Another mm -hmm. lie. You know, I've never really lied to my wife in the 28 years, but what I did do, mm -hmm. I'm the one that pays the bills and I had a secret credit card uh -huh. and I would put one out of five alcohol purchases through my bank account. Okay. And four would go on that secret credit card. Got it. That is a lie. Yeah. That is a financial lie to my mm -hmm. spouse. So, what happened? I got a ticket. I had a bottle of alcohol in the back of my car. And when I have a bottle in the back of the car, it's as good as drinking it. Yeah. I feel okay. And it's going to be okay. I feel calm. I made that go, no go decision at a left-hand turn light where it's yellow uh -huh. and you think I'm going to make it. All I could think about was that bottle in the back of the car. And I went for it. In front of a church, three blocks from my home, was one of the fine law enforcement officers of our, our uh, <laughs> force here. And she okay. pulled me over. Okay. And here's where God is also involved. That was on the 3rd of January. Okay. On the 1st of January, the fines for all traffic had doubled. I oh, knew that was a $500 ticket. And I didn't have that kind of money to spend on something like that. I went home that night and I drank that entire 1500 milliliter bottle of bourbon. That was not my normal. I could drink one in two days, but never at one time. I drank the whole thing. They call it a handle, I think. Yeah. I drank the whole thing. And uh, I was still drunk the next day. Mm -hmm. um, my wife, unbeknownst to me, I'd been begging her to go to detox. 
Okay. Because I knew I, I had to get out. I, I, I couldn't do it here alone. Yeah. You know? And so she made all the arrangements. I didn't know that. Okay. When was my intake appointment? January 4th. Hmm. She came and said, it's time to go. I said, go where? Detox. It's all arranged. You have an intake appointment. Okay, yeah, let's go. And I went to get out of the chair and I fell to the ground. Uh, I was still drunk, uh like hammered. Yeah. She said, we got to go. We have an appointment at the the hospital. They're expecting us. Yeah. I said, okay. I went to push myself up. I was incapable of getting off the floor. However, my mind was a hundred percent clear. I had mental clarity. I knew what was going on. I could think clearly. My body was destroyed, but my mind was there. Wow. I prayed. Yeah. God, I know this isn't what you want for me and my family. Yeah. I offer myself to you. You've done this before. I surrender this alcohol to you. Mm-hmm. I will serve you and look for your will. Give me the strength to get up off this floor and go to detox. And I will do exactly that. I got in the car. I went to detox. That night I slept, actually slept for the first time in like a year. Yeah. I was passing out and coming to. Sure. I woke up that morning. The craving and obsession for alcohol was gone. Wow. All I had, all I had asked for is strength. What I was given, like I was with food, was the removal of the craving and obsession for alcohol after needing it. Yeah. 24-7, 365 for two years. Yeah. Drunk almost constantly. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't had it since. Wow. And that was January 4th, 2019. Do you, do you think that you think that because of your time in OA that you were able that that spiritual experience happened for you so quick because you knew the process and because you were I mean you didn't when you said that prayer lying on the floor you didn't have just a little bit of willingness you had all you were willing to go to any length I know right? no I think that was three steps all at once yeah it, yeah, it you is. Know, and um, I had that lightning experience like Bill W. did in the big book, where in uh-huh. the morning he relayed that to the doctor. And the doctor says, I don't know what happened to you, but obviously something did. Yeah. Hold on to it. Yeah. I'm holding on to it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was more for me. It wasn't a, an ex, a spiritual experience. I think it was a spiritual awakening. Okay. Things changed. And then I had another one that was even bigger. When I got to about step seven, mm-hmm. step six, step seven, um, in the, in the, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I was in a small group of men. There were 10 of us that went through the steps in six months. I've suffered with depression for a long time. That was part of my thing. Okay. Hospitalized twice. Yep. Okay. I started noticing the birds. I started singing mm-hmm. in the car. I noticed the snow on the mountains. We have mountains here that have snow on them. I physically felt the veil of depression lifting. That was another spiritual awakening. God, you're actually there. Yeah. You showed yourself on the floor. You showed yourself with the food. You, 
you're showing yourself. So things I used to call coincidence, I don't anymore. Yeah. I have a friend that likes to talk about, is it odd or is it God? Well, I have no <laughs> doubt now. I have no doubt now. Yeah. Um, he loves me. And in his eyes, I am enough. Yeah. You know, if God has a picture of his kids on his fridge, I'm on there. <laughs> you know, that, that's how that's a great people. way to put like, it. I'm I'm gonna, it's yeah, how I'm I love my children. It. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm stealing much. that. Heck yeah. Oh, feel free. You know, if you credit the person three times, it's yours. Oh, not a problem. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't, I don't, what do I know? But, you know, my, my worst day in recovery is better than my best day in the disease now. Absolutely. I don't have to live that way anymore. Nope. I don't have to live that way anymore. I went to see my cousin in Arizona. We, we briefly talked about, we touched on NA earlier. Uh-huh. He's got about 36 years and he died twice. Wow. They brought him back to life. Yeah. And I went to see him when I was confused about the alcohol. And I said, Jimmy, what do I do? He says, all right, here's what you do. You go to meetings, yeah. you work the steps, you get a sponsor, sponsor you get yeah. into a 12 and 12 and a big book study. And then uh, he's a little old school. He said, um, <laughs> take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth, shut the F up and sit the F down. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Yeah. I did exactly what my cousin Jimmy told me to do. And then God gave me the exact sponsor that I need. Mm -hmm. um, my first one was a disaster. I, in AA, I did not have enough self-esteem again to okay. ask another man for help. Okay. I couldn't walk up to another man and say, would you be my sponsor? Mm -hmm. So there was a gentleman that I ran into at meetings. Who's your sponsor? Who's your sponsor? Who's your sponsor? And I finally admitted I felt comfortable. Well, you know what? I I have trouble asking a man for help. Yeah. He said, that's great. He put out his hand. He said, I'll be your interim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That man took me to the literature rack. Oh. That man gave me a directory, told me the meetings he likes to go to. I still go to most of those meetings today. Cool. He was the hub of the wheel at the spokes of my program grew out of yeah however he's great with the newcomer yeah unfortunately this gentleman um is is a guy that's hurt and when he's hurt he hurts people oh and what i think this i now think that relationship was what i needed at the time certainly but then it prepared me to further appreciate the sponsor god had for me later yeah, was not available at that time, nor was I stable enough to ask him. I met him in that group of 10 men. Okay. I watched him. I observed him. I saw him in situations. I heard what he had to say. We're a spiritual match. That was important to me. Yep. Yep. He has been, he is me, but he's 35 years ahead of me in sobriety. Mm-hmm. So he has experience and he loves people. Yeah. I, I now say I went from F you to love you. Mm -hmm. in program. That's, that's where I was. I was an angry, judgmental, critical person that had a gift for sarcasm and demeaning language. Yeah. Yeah. I could bring people to their knees with, with my words. Yeah. With just a quick sentence. It's yeah. Devastating. 
it is and i i find that part of my personality disgusting i'm and i don't utilize it anymore the book tells me to build a new foundation Mm -hmm. the book tells me to use the right amount of sand the right mortar lay the bricks correctly Mm -hmm. the old me has to die and if nothing changes nothing changes i need to become a new vessel and i need to serve him Mm -hmm. and that's the where i'm going here is um service has saved my life i decided in that chair in the other room where i was passing out and eating and doing mm-hmm. all the behaviors when i had no value no purpose i found value and purpose through serving serving others being mm-hmm. outside of myself yeah putting myself last instead of first no longer seeing what's in it for me but mm-hmm. what can i do for them yeah to carry the message to those that still suffer. I remember what I was like as a newcomer. Oh, I can't read. Or I don't have the self-esteem to ask a man for help. Mm -hmm. So when I see newcomers come in, I have open arms. I love them because I am them. Yeah. I I know. Yeah. That's what, what I, what I try and do with anybody that I meet, especially newcomers is, I try and meet them where they're at. Not, I can't expect them to meet me where I'm at. Um, Cause you never know, man, you could say one little thing that's just going to change their life. Um, I had a hard time asking men also. Um, so fortunately for, for me, somebody came up and said, I'm your sponsor. And it turned out it was a good spiritual fit, you know? Um, but I was willing and open-minded with, with God in the program that when that came along, I was like, yeah, that's what I need to do. So I think just having an open mind and being willing in this program, gosh, it could give you such a great start. So, Yeah. Um, you know um, what's happened since I've been in AA. Mm-hmm. I was secretary of three different meetings when the pandemic came. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of service work. One of them was a um, speaker meeting that was attended by 120 people. I used to uh-huh. get physically ill before it because I had elevated it to such an importance. Ah, oh, that's too much, Rob. My engineering career uh-huh. prepared me to be able to deliver Zoom and um, bring others out of their isolation. Yeah. I firmly believe today um, God got me sober and abstinent in this time to use me to bring virtual recovery to others. I, I, I agree. And that's where I get my value, my purpose and yeah. my service. It all, it all tied together. Um, there's a group in Glendora. It's a meeting of men that's been going on for over 40 years. They meet two nights a week. One's a 12 and 12. And one's a big book study, just like cousin Jimmy told me to do. I was able to bring the virtual recovery to them. And there's some original guys. Mm-hmm. They're in their 80s now that yeah. have been going to that meeting for 40 years. They're all over the country. They could see each other. There again. The love. Because they were there when each one of them at different times came in as a newcomer and they remember yeah. that. Yeah. They love each other. It's an amazing group of men. And for me that had an issue with my dad growing up. Yeah. 
I have a hundred fathers now. Mm-hmm. I'm 60 years old and I have all these dads. That's so cool. It, it's beautiful. No, it, it's, it's a gift. I am dancing in the sunshine of the spirit today, <laughs> largely because I surrendered. Yeah. And that's what it took. I, I was around when I, I found that birth mother about three years ago and I spent wow. the last three years of her life with her. Congratulations. I'm glad yeah, she that's had cool. a um, crisis of faith. Okay. We worked on that almost every day the last three years. And the night she passed, the, the morning of the, the night she passed, she told me that God came to her in a dream and said he loved her. Mm-hmm. She was his daughter and he was welcoming her home to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But what I didn't tell you is I saw her that night. I knew the next day was going to be probably it. Yeah. And I was going to leave and she said she was a Catholic. Okay. And you know, you can have any faith you want. You can define your higher power any, yeah. any way you want. I'm not here to tell you how to do it or what. Absolutely. Sort of yeah. She was a Catholic. She asked me if I could do something for her. I said, sure. Absolutely. Can you get me a rosary? And I said, what? I beg your pardon. What did you say? Can you bring me a rosary? What my birth mother didn't know was her granddaughter had sent a rosary with us to give her grandmother. My wife had downstairs in her purse and we couldn't pull up (laughs) in the pandemic. And I said, I'll be right back. Yeah. I went down, got the rosary, gave it to my birth mother. She prayed it that night. And that's the night she said, God came to her and welcomed her into the kingdom of heaven. And she was healed. Yeah. Her spiritual malady was gone. Now that birth mother that I Uh did wasn't raised by. Uh She put a glass on a bar top on new year's Eve, 1979 and said, I will never have another drink. Her brothers were carrying her home out of (laughs) bars. Yeah. Died with 40 years of sobriety that day. And you know what? Never went to a meeting. There are people that can do that. I'm not one of them. Yeah. She did it. My, my ex-wife, my first ex-wife is that way, you know, and my hats are off to my hat is off to her. You know, I need the meetings. You know, the way I see it is if you're helping other people and you're happy, it's none of my business. The other part I left out was she had had gastric bypass surgery 20 years before I met her. Sounds a little familiar. Alcohol and food. Yeah. And I was not raised by her. Yeah. So if you want to talk about a genetic predisposition to these diseases, yep. I'm your guy. Yep. <laughs> I'm your guy because it's like a separated twin study in psychology. They get a lot of information because the um, upbringing is not the same, Yeah, but the genetic code is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I shared with her. Wow. I, that that, yeah, that is a really good. beautiful story though. I mean, thanks to you. I loved that. With let me mom, give you, man. let me give you two more little teeny things. Since I got sober, I had the brain tumor scare. Okay, I turned it over. Um, my left leg was paralyzed at one point. Okay, brain tumors on the right side. Left leg got paral was paralyzed. Yeah, I turned that over. They told me, well, after the nerve testing, yeah, the nerve's not dead, but this is going to take a long time. Okay. And nerves only recover at a certain rate, blah, 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 blah. 
I was in the jacuzzi and I was praying one night. I was fitted with a carbon fiber brace. I was falling because I couldn't use my left leg and yeah. I was using crutches. Yeah. My toe started to move. God, if this is what you want for me, I'm willing. If you want me to be paralyzed in one leg, fine. But if not, that's okay too. And it helps me to do your will, your, yeah. your, your bidding. My toe started to move. The neurologist was amazed. He, he yeah. just had never seen anything like it. But and what else can you call it but a miracle? I mean, there's, if there's nothing else to explain it, even in a scientific world, then nope. it is what it there is. It's a miracle. There isn't. And I, I passed out while driving a car. I had burned my candle at both ends, settling that birth mother's estate. Okay. I hit a train crossing with a brand new car and destroyed it. The, the fender was hanging off the arm that goes up and down. Okay. Funny part about this is a man pulled up behind me and honked at me. <laughs> me being me, the old linebacker, right? I was going to get out and really throttle that dude. And I went to open the door to tell him off. The door no longer opened. God yeah. said, no, you don't. Yep. <laughs> you're going to be grateful that you're okay. Yeah. I did $30,000 of damage to a $34,000 car and walked away with a small injury that just was corrected with surgery. I gave that over to my higher power and mm -hmm. I'm ahead of schedule in the recovery. Look at that. These are miracles. And I have no doubt. Along the way, I've built up resentments. People attack me for my service, believe it or not. I don't yeah. know if I do too much. I don't yeah. know. Jealousy. I don't. Care. I get it. Yeah. I built up resentments. I started walking out of meetings. My sponsor said, Rob, you know, you can do that. But what happens if mm -hmm. five minutes after you walk out of that meeting, somebody says the exact thing that'll save your life? Mm -hmm. So I put my resentments aside. I look for the similarities instead of the differences. I shut the F up. Sit the F down like my cousin told me. Yep. <laughs> and I look for the miracle. Yes. And you know, Dion, unless you have any questions, I think I'm, you know. Well, I yeah. I'm pretty much, I know you wanted to explore food versus, but. No, I think, and I think we kind of hit on that. You know, um, I don't think we have to directly do it, but a lot of your story, you can see the comparisons and anybody that has addiction, I think is going to be able to understand that. What I got out of your story is, man, you have a fantastic connection with your higher power, a fantastic connection. And um, what a great example, Rob. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, I know this stuff is kind of hard, you know, Oh, I didn't have much self-esteem growing up either. Um, and I think men have a very, very hard time admitting that because once you admit it, then other people are going, yeah, you are too. And, and as a man, we're always, we're raised that you're not allowed to be like that. And uh, I found that just wasn't true, you know? Um, so willingness, a lot, a lot of willingness in your story. Um, which I really love. Um, your the story with your mom is just wow. I'm a big mommy's boy, so you know when it comes to when it comes to moms. Um, and then you know I wasn't adopted, but I never met my biological father. Gotcha. Um, he uh, he died with 50 years sober. 
you know, wow. you know, so great things are, he still didn't want anything to do with me, but you know, he was getting ready to pat, you know, that's life. So, yeah. um, so yeah, as we wrap up here, do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom? You know, I, I think I'd go back to what my cousin said, you know, if you're, um, in need of recovery, there's a lot of programs out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, willingness, maybe I'll say something about willingness. Okay. My current sponsor, his first sponsor in program was Eddie Cochran. And okay. I don't know if you guys have heard of Eddie Cochran, but I believe he was in the early days of NA as well. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think he was NA, he was AA. He was AA. That's but, where I. That's where I know I, the name. I, yeah. But through that relationship, they met Dr. Paul, who wrote the acceptance reading, you know, Mm -hmm. that a lot of people read in meetings, you know, nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Yep. Um, Acceptance is the key. Instead of the world, you know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Well, as, you know, widely accepted as that is, the acceptance reading accepted, that's kind of funny, but um, as widely (laughs) known as that is, Mm-hmm. And I believe the fourth, edi- fourth edition at one point became known as the resentment edition because they moved that to a different page and people got upset. However, with all that, the humbleness of Dr. Paul, the author, he said he should have wrote it on willingness. Yeah. Because without willingness, one never gets to acceptance. Ooh. You need to be willing. <laughs> for me, I needed to be willing. And I needed to surrender and yeah. became acceptance. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. What a way I, to put I, it. I don't even want to try. To yeah. Back. I, I know pretty much what would happen. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to try. But I think with, and now anything that I want to change, willingness comes up first. Yes. I am willing to, to make that change. So absolutely. Willingness does come before acceptance. In my world, too. So, but they tell you how, you know, honestly, open mindedness and willingness. But what's great about willingness is there's no action in it. You just have to be willing. It's a feeling. Um, and you can certainly do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. W- what do you mean I can have God remove all my character defects? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Remove well, them right now. I remember yeah. that first time. Like, yeah. Let's do it now. <laughs> Yeah. Or the people, I'm so grateful. Or what? I'm going to tell God when to remove my character defects. Yeah. Five years to, to accumulate. Wait, no, I'm not done with that one yet. Give it back. Yeah. <laughs> that would give me comfort. Uh, Rob, thank you again for coming on. I, I this is a fun chat, man. Um, and I learned a lot. Um, well, seeing seeing comparisons. That. Yeah. Um. And uh, this was a good time. So uh, good job. Um, thank you, everybody, for being a part of it and, and listening. Stories are important. Uh, they're, they're a fantastic way to get a message across without any stigma and fear. You can do it. You can listen to it from your home, things like that. So, um, yeah. So while we're talking about that, if you're listening to this and you haven't been on the show yet, reach out, man. Reach out. Come on. Tell your story. It can be tough, but that's why I'm here. 
I'm here to help you. So thank you everybody for being here. I love you guys. You know I do. Peace out and have a day.